wind blowing toward right field. If Alex could find something to pull, get it in the air, he would get some help. Familia's next pitch. Belted to deep center. Back goes Lagares. And gone, Alex Gordon. And comes the pitch. Broken bat, one hopper to third. And over to first in time. Runner going to try to score. Wild throw. Hosmer gambling that he could dash home on the throw to first base. And the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. Welcome into the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can find me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. On today's show, the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. The Royals have three on the top 100 MLB pipeline list. Greg Holland is back. Let's party like it's 2014. Alex Gordon's trade clause and robot umpires. There's a lot to unpack today as we shift into our brand new daily schedule. Yes, starting today, we will be daily each and every Monday through Friday from now until the end of the season. So buckle up. It's going to be fun. And there's going to be so much Royals coverage that you cannot even take it. So before we jump into all that, I want to let you know that if you have been listening to this podcast... I'm sure you've heard all of the great advertisers we work, we work with here on the Locked On Podcast Network to reach sports fans like yourself. But what you may not know is that the Locked On Royals Podcast is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Royals fans just like yourself. Unlike other podcasts, Locked On gives your local company a unique way to reach local podcast listeners. Most of our listeners are in the Kansas City area, and they love to support local companies. There is... Nothing like a Locked On Podcast listener. If you want to connect with Royals fans and a predominantly male audience with that is well-educated and has disposable income, then this is where you want to put your company. Right here where I'm talking. You can put it right here in the beginning of the show where everyone still has waiting with bated breath to hear what I'm going to say next about the beloved Kansas City Royals. So if you want that, text the word ADVERTISING to 3377. Again, that's ADVERTISING to 3377 or visit... LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. Let us know who you are, what team you want to be putting your advertising on, and we will help you achieve your advertising success. So once again, text advertising to 3377 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you, and let's get into the show. So I would be remiss if I didn't start this show by mentioning again that the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. And I know this is a baseball podcast. This is a Kansas City Royals podcast. But the two are so intertwined that they share a parking lot. And I imagine most of you who are listening to this show also love the Kansas City the Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas City Royals. The path to a Super Bowl for the Chiefs was pretty similar to the Kansas City Royals. Again, they share a parking lot and the community loves both teams. I think that it's, of course, very interesting to dissect how the two teams won a championship. First of all, it's awesome that a town and a city and a place and a community like Kansas City has championships within the decade of each other and has put both teams on the map recently. That's pretty awesome, especially for both being, you know, in the NFL, it's hard to say small market because there's no no such thing as a small market really in in a salary cap sport and a sport like the NFL. But 
both teams being located in Kansas City and both teams having having great runs. And, and of course, the Chiefs are set up to have a run for much longer than the Royals did. But still, it's awesome. Of course, the parallels are, are easy uh, to come by. In the in the first preseason game against the Bengals, the uh, Chiefs won 17, 38-17, which, of course, 17-38 was a big rallying cry for the Royals during their run. The game yesterday kicked off military time at 17:38 in Kansas City, I believe, which is pretty awesome again. 17:38 means a lot for the Royals playoff run and it was kind of thrown in there for the Chiefs as well. And the main difference, I mean not the main difference, the main similarity between the two sides was all the comebacks. I mean, how many times did you think that this Chiefs team who made history by coming back from double digits in every single in every single playoff win? How many times did you think that they were done? Maybe you didn't think they were done early on against the Titans when it was 10-0 because there's still a, a ton of football left. And maybe you were even an optimist and didn't think that they were done when they were, they were down 24 nothing because there was still a lot of football left. Folks, yesterday they were, they were down 10 to nothing with seven minutes left. 10 to nothing with seven minutes left. And they came back and won by double digits. It's not double, but by two scores. That that is just almost impossible. And of course, the Royals had the comebacks against Houston, comeback against Toronto, the comebacks against the Mets whenever they won Game One with Alex Gordon. Of course, the comeback in Game Five, the Hosmer Mad Dash home. Each of them had plays that you will never forget, and and the two sides uh, really. Had a similar path to get here. The Royals were homegrown. They didn't have much of any free agent help. I mean, their biggest free agent help was Kendris Morales. The Chiefs are homegrown. I mean, Mahomes drafted. Hill drafted. All their players besides Sammy Watkins, who made a huge impact this postseason. Sammy Watkins is a guy that they got in free agency who made a huge impact. Mike Pinnell is a guy who made a huge impact. They got him off the streets to start this year. Uh, most of their guys came from the draft, and some came from trades, and of course the free agency as well. But, uh, best, uh, football's a little bit different, excuse me, uh, to get a totally homegrown team like the Royals had. But they have a ton of homegrown talent, and it's awesome again to just see that this community of, of fans. And I'm, I'm throwing this all in there because I, I do believe if you're a Royals fan, you're probably a Chiefs fan. Get to experience the Super Bowl this time after experiencing a couple World Series. And hopefully, the Royals can get back there as well. And we can be talking about competitive baseball pretty soon in Kansas City. Because we're going to be talking about competitive football for a long, long time. So, enough about the Chiefs. You can listen to other Chiefs podcasts if you want deeper dives into that. We have a great one on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On Chiefs. But... Congratulations to the Chiefs. I'm happy. I'm sure all of you are happy. I've already spent like $200 on merch, so I'm sure a lot of you are in that same boat. But let's get back to baseball. Quickly, the Royals got three on the MLB pipeline list. Of course, that's going to be Bobby Witt at number 10, uh, Brady Singer at number 59, and Daniel Lynch at 61. It's a good, it's a good, um, how do you say it? It's a good luxury to have that you have guys on the MLB pipeline list. I mean, it's always fun to point to. I think Bobby Witt Jr. is a guy who's going to get a ton of hype and already has a ton of hype by people who have followed the farm system. But as he progresses through the farm system, 
Royals fans are really going to take notice of him. As he starts to be able to get spring training at bats, which who knows when that will happen. It might happen this year, but I would I would think that he's going to stay in minor league camp uh, being so young. But as he starts progressing through the system, Bobby Wood Jr. is going to get a ton of publicity, a ton of hype, and his hype, I think, could surpass what Eric Cosmer's was. And Eric Cosmer is a guy I used because there was such a frenzy around him. A high pick from, from Miami, Florida. They had Eric Cosmer day when he was called up. I mean, I think that Bobby Wood Jr. is a guy who can surpass that level of hype, which is something that really hasn't been seen before for the Royals. I mean, Alex Gordon had a lot of hype around him, but that was before social media and really before these things can kind of take off. I think Bobby Witt can have a Wando Franco-type social media craze, and that's the number one prospect in the pipeline list, and he is for the Tampa Bay Rays, and people compare him to be the next all-star, the next superstar of this league. And I think that Bobby Witt can can turn into that, and I'm really high on him. Brady Singer, I think, is ready to be in the major leagues right now. We'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. But I think that Brady Singer is ready to be in the major league baseball rotation this second. But, again, there's some quirks in the CBA that make me not want to have that happen. And then Daniel Lynch, it's it's nice that he's on here. You've got to get 100 guys, so you're, you're obviously going to have some guys in the back end who are going to be good uh, pros and not like elite ones. I think Brady Singer can be elite. I think Bobby Witt can for sure be elite. Daniel Lynch, a couple spots below Singer. I'm just not as sold on him as some people are. I'm excited to see what he can bring to the big leagues. I'm excited to see what he can do. But I'm not quite as all-in on Lynch as a lot of people are. And again, 59 to 61 is not that big of a drop-off. But this is just for my personal preference, not compared to the list. I think that Singer is going to be far and away the best pitcher of this crop that they have down there. And of course, Bobby Wood Jr. is going to be the best player all, all around of the, of the crop that they have down there. So, the Royals re-signed Greg Holland. I think that this move is in no way bad. Like, there's no way you can look at this and say it's a bad move. The Royals desperately need bullpen help, so whatever he can provide is great. The Royals are going to lose baseball games this year. They're going to lose a lot of baseball games this year. I know that at FanFest, Gordon and Witt tried to tell you that they were going to be competitive, that they were going to try to make a push for the playoffs, that they were going to try to win ball games. Of course they say that. That's not going to happen. They're going to lose, and they're going to lose a lot of baseball games. So you need to sell tickets to a losing baseball team. And if you can get Greg Holland, the nostalgia factor, for one of the best teams in Royals history, for the best bullpen in Royals history, if you can get him back, and you can get him pitching very well, that's going to sell some tickets. That's going to sell some tickets. That's going to get some people in the seats. So we're already at two pluses in the plus-minus column. And then, if he's any good whatsoever, any good at all, you can flip him at the deadline and get something in return for him of value. It might just be a quality fifth starter. It might just be a quality middle reliever. It might just be a quality bench bat. But they're going to be younger than him. They're going to have more control than him. And it's going to be end up a, a positive because you're only giving him $1.25 million. And then if he's not good, you're out nothing. Again, a million dollars is a drop in the bucket for Major League Baseball teams, especially with no salary cap and the Royals not even being close to the luxury tax. I love this move. Again, the nostalgia factor is going to be huge in terms of selling this team, getting more guys on there from those championship runs that you can recognize. Right now you're down to Duffy, Perez, guys like that. 
you need to recognize some more names on here for a losing ball club or else fans are just going to quickly lose interest. Alex Gordon, another guy who was on that championship team. This question got brought up a lot to me whenever he signed on Twitter. Uh, I appreciate everyone who interacts on Twitter. Again, that's at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. A couple regulars who always talk to me on Twitter. I appreciate them. Anyone who wants to talk baseball, go over there and hit me up. But a couple of them asked me about uh, Alex Gordon's trade clause in his contract. For those of you who don't know, in the MLB, you get a no trade clause automatically. If, if you're with a certain, if you're with a certain team for ten years, and you've been in the big leagues for five years, you get a automatic no trade clause. They, they don't have to give it to you; you just have it by the CBA, by the player agreement. So the player agreement gives you that no trade clause. He has waived the right to that no trade clause. So he's saying that I'm signing with the Royals, but they can trade me whenever they want to. Here's the kicker. If the Royals do trade him, then they also have to pay him half a million dollars. So he gets a bonus for being traded, which he would deserve because let's say he gets traded. That means he's had a phenomenal season. That means he's done even better than he did in the first half last year. Because again, the second half he fell apart, but in the first half he he was very good. If he duplicates that and he does get traded, he deserves that bonus and he's done phenomenal and he's going to be on a contending team and he's going to be a defensive replacement and a guy who can pinch hit in the NL. But I think that he's not going to be traded. It, will there be a market for Gordon? I don't think so. I think that there's going to be too much, too many options that, that are better than Alex Gordon. Even if he does have a first half, he proved last year he can quickly fall off. That's a negative against him. He's never been consistently a good hitter. He's actually never been a good hitter in his entire career. 2015 and last year were the two years that his numbers ended up looking good. Again, last year he fell apart in the second half. He's an an amazing defensive player. Amazing defensive player. I mean, that, that cannot be overstated. He is phenomenal defensively. And not in the Kevin Kiermaier way. Not in the I'm out of position so the play looks more impressive. He's in position and still makes improbable plays. Uh, uh, Escobar. I'll see Escobar was a guy who had that same that same dilemma as Kevin Kiermaier. You're out of position, so the play, play looks a lot harder than it was. That's not the case here. Alex Gordon is a great, great defender. Just awesome. So I love what he brings defensively, but at the, at the plate, there's not going to be a market for Alex Gordon. And for the Royals, you have to, again, consider selling tickets. This is a business, after all. If you trade Alex Gordon, there is no reason to go to games anymore. And I'll tell you why in a second. If Alex Gordon's not on that team, just watch it from home. Watch the game on Fox Sports Kansas City. Mute the TV if you don't like the broadcasters, which a lot of you don't, and I don't blame you. I don't either. Mute the TV. And I say that because this is Alex Gordon's last year. We can we can admit that. It took him so long to come back this year to weigh the pros and cons of coming back. To, to look at the contract and see if it's worth it. I think this is his very last season of professional baseball. So what can the Royals do with that? Once they're out of it, which should happen around the trade deadline, once they're out of it, this turns into a Alex Gordon farewell tour, and you're going down memory lane, you're bringing back Billy Butler, you're bringing back all the guys who are retired from baseball now uh, to have all these nights to remember him and his career, you're doing giveaways... You're having fun. This turns into the Alex Gordon show. 
and I'll let you in on a sneak peek behind the curtain. When he got announced as returning to the Royals, I put in my calendar that the last homestand of the year was going to be an Alex Gordon week, where we go back and we talk about his career, we relive his career, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. And that is good for business, my business and theirs. So, even if Alex Gordon is phenomenal, what is the return on Gordon? I would say nothing. We talked about this whenever I had the podcast that is about should the Royals sell. You can go back and listen to that episode. This kind of this kind of talks way more in depth about Alex Gordon. What you're going to get in return at the deadline is already cut in half. So that's why trading with Merrifield at the deadline is kind of dicey because deadlines make deals, but deadlines also hurt deals. You can get a bigger haul in the offseason. That's part of the reason why the Red Sox want to get rid of Mookie Betts right now. The, lo- the, the longer a team has a player, they're more apt to give you more assets for it. You can talk them into giving you a lot more assets if he's going to play 162 games rather than 40 games. So, I don't think what you're going to get back for Gordon offsets the nostalgia, offsets selling tickets, offsets what he means to the organization, offsets having him play for one team his entire career. But, to end this conversation, it's nice of Alex Gordon to do that, just in case. I mean, we don't know if he's going to have a great year or not. So, just in case they get a phenomenal offer from a, des- from a desperate team, which, mind you, as I said again on that Sellers podcast, there are more teams competitive now in baseball. There's, there's more teams going all in right now in baseball than there ever have been. And that leads to desperation. If things don't go as planned, if things do not go as you foresee right now, and you're all in, you've made big moves this offseason, you've made other big moves in season, if things don't go your way, you get desperate and you make a trade that you shouldn't. And Alex Gordon could be that prime candidate to be a trade that someone makes because they're desperate. So this can really go either way. But if you want my prediction, I don't think Gordon gets traded. So after the break, we'll talk about the robo-umps and also what's ahead this week on the Lockdown Royals podcast. All right, we're back here at the Lockdown Royals podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter again. That's at Ryland underscore Styles. Again, that's at R-Y-L-A-N-S-T-I-L-E-S after the underscore. So let's talk about robo-umps real quick. They're going to be testing this during spring training. And there will still be an umpire at the plate calling balls and strikes, but the concept will be implemented. And it's a concept that a lot of people have been talking about. Brian Kenny of MLB Network has been a, a proponent of this for the longest time. Brian Kenny has written books about the robo-umpire and all these other advanced things you can do in baseball on the Ahead of the Curve book, which is a phenomenal read if you haven't already. I love the idea of robo-umps. We have the technology. We might as well get the calls right. You, you will still need someone behind the plate for calls such as a throw to the plate. But I think that balls and strikes is getting a little bit too hard for them to call with a human eye. And the robo-ump can add an interesting element. How will it work in spring training? We'll see. How many do they even get wrong? We'll see. This is a way to, to clearly measure the amount of calls umpires get right and wrong. Because sure, you can go back on every broadcast and see that yourself. But this is in real time with MLB standard and MLB standard strikeout boxes. Strike boxes. Whatever you want to call it. So it's interesting. I'm going to be watching every spring training game on MLB TV, not just the Royals ones, to see this exact thing. How does this work? How does this operate? And why are they still having guys call balls and strikes behind the plate? It's going to be 
I, I hate to keep saying interesting, but it's just going to be interesting. I just want to see how it's going to all work out. So this week, again, is daily uploads, Monday through Friday. Later on in the week, we're going to talk about Brady Singer. Should he start his season in Kansas City or should he start in the minor leagues? Is he ready to start in Kansas City? And also throughout this week, we are going to have a mailbag episode. And, and I should say episodes because you guys have already put in so much on Twitter and on Reddit. So many questions for me to answer. And I, and I cannot thank you enough for both those platforms giving me a ton of questions to work with. This is your shot, though, to get in a last-second buzzer beater. Can you get in the mailbag? It's at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N-S-T-I-L-E-S is my name, underscore in the middle. So, I'll be having at least two episodes worth of, a, of the mailbag because you guys sent in so many questions. And then you can you can push that number to three or four if you get in your questions, get your shots up, and I'll be happy to answer every single one of them about, about the Royals, about baseball, about life, about anything. So... I'm excited for that. I hope you guys are too. Again, this week is going to be about Brady Singer and also mailbags. And then we'll, we'll hit the ground running next week as pitchers and catchers report. And it'll be baseball time pretty soon. I cannot wait. I'm excited. The Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. The Royals have won a World Series in our lifetime. If you're listening to this, the Chiefs are one of, the Chiefs have won a Super Bowl and the Royals have won a Super Bowl in your lifetime. I don't think anyone born in 2016 is listening to this. Although, you never know. Maybe they're in the car with their parents and they're listening. I don't know. Be good and be good to one another, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Locked On Podcast Network with the Locked On Royals Podcast.